classes in memory of Jared Orchen, and today we're going to learn the Aftora of Shabbat Hanukkah. The Aftora of Shabbat Hanukkah is read twice a year. Once on Parshat Baalotcha. Baalotcha is the third parsha in the book of Numbers. Speaks there about the beginning of Baalotcha, speaks about lighting the menorah, and that's the connection to the Aftora. And also on Shabbat Hanukkah, we will read about the menorah. It's all Hanukkah is about the menorah. Now, the Aftorah, I just want to start with a little bit before the Aftorah. There is, there is, you know, Ashkenazic Jews? We are all Ashkenazic Jews. One of the biggest questions is, where Ashkenazic Jews come from? Germany. <laughs> that Abraham was Ashkenazi, tell me. Abraham was born in Iraq. Was he Ashkenazi Jew? He looked like us? No. Isaac? No. Jacob? No. Where are we coming from? The truth is, as many Ashkenazi Jews that are available, there are many answers that are available. <laughs> Where are Ashkenazi Jews coming from? Well, the, the accounts of conversions of different groups and yeah, 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 the yeah, Russians. Yeah. Oh, the Khazars. Yeah, Khazars, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Khazars, oh, not the Khazars, the Khazars. <laughs> it's a big difference, boy. Fair enough. I, that took me a minute to understand what you were yeah. saying. To. I don't mind, but you know, some people got might be insulted. <laughs> then that's exactly what I want to share with, with everybody. And the 11th century was a man with the name Rabbi Yudah Levi. He was a famous poet. What is the uh, what is the one of the most famous poet that he wrote? Poetry that he wrote? Well, the book was Kuzari. No, Lachadi. beside the book. Lachadi? No, he didn't write Lachadudi. He wrote a famous poetry about Jerusalem. Then he wrote, for example, Ani be'mizrach v'libi be'marav. I'm in the east, but I, my heart is in the west. He was writing about um, Jerusalem, how beautiful the city is, how the, about the land of Israel. He was very big about the land of Israel. Missing it, he lived in Spain. And he eventually made it to Israel. And the story goes that when he landed in Israel, he came in, I mean, I didn't land it. When he came to Israel, he laid down on the floor to, to kiss the ground. And an Arab with a horse passed by, stepped on him, and killed him. Mm. That's the story. It was the first time when he came here, or five minutes later, or ten minutes. The point is, he didn't live long in Israel. That's a whole story on its own. If there is, we're not going in, there's long life in Israel, there's not, we're not going. What would be better for us to be in the diaspora? That's a whole story in its own. In any case, Yudha Levi lived in Spain in a time that the Christians and the Muslims were fighting to prove their religion. And everybody was a lot of um, dialogues and arguments that were done and the Jews were forced into these arguments. And every time, they, every one of them wanted to prove that their religion is the true religion. And they wrote books about that. What every one of them claimed that the Jewish religion is their source, that's the beginning, but they have it the right way. The new version, the better version. Then, to defend the Jewish religion, he wrote a book, Yudha Levi, Rabbi Yudha Levi. It's 
called the Kuzari. He wrote a book for the, Jew, for the young Jewish people they should have answers, they should understand why, what is going on, why Jewish, Jewish religion is the right religion. He based it on a story that was from 700, I mean, the year 740, something like this. A story that goes about the Khazar. It was a kingdom on the Volga River, who is in the south of Russia, of today's Russia. And a group of people with a king, who the king had a dream. And the dream was that God comes and tells them, your thoughts, your, your uh, intention are good, but your actions are not. One time a dream, second time. He decided he has to get rid of all his idols that they're worshiping there. And to look, to find out, to, to adapt to one of the big religions of the world, one of the three religions. He decided he's going to investigate the religion. Invited a representative of the Christian religion and he interviewed them. And he asked him about his purpose. And, uh, and he interviewed the guy from the Muslim religion and he asked him the same questions. And he like kind of get, kept an argument between these two. Everyone should prove. Every one of them said that they are the true religion. But if not me, then go to the Jewish religion. Don't go to the other one. That the Muslims said about Krishna, Krishna said about Muslim, and every one of them claimed that they are the true, authentic religion that continues the Jewish religion. He was thinking to himself, he says, he's not good, but the Jewish religion. Other guy, one thing they gave both of them, that the Jewish religion is the oldest religion. Then he will, let's, let's check out what is all the, what, what's going on there and invited a representative from the Jewish religion. And the representative of the Jewish religion he, he was convincing him. He heard what the Jewish religion is and the history of the Jewish and they decided that this is the true religion and they converted. A whole the first of all the king converted secretly with his family and little by little the news came out that the king is, became Jewish one more guy, one more guy and little by little it became the thing to do the whole tribe converted the moment you become Jewish you have to us the neighbors, the Persian neighbors the Arab neighbors started to attack them and they had a lot of tzores but they wanted to eradicate them but they were a strong, very strong tribe and they survived. For hundreds of years, this, this group survived, lived, and people in the West and other places didn't even know that they exist. They here, there, and there, something. The first time that uh, they heard a normal message from them was in Spain, I think, um, the, in Cordova. He, he got a letter from the king of the Khazars, the Khazarim, the Khazars, that he told them, and his name was Yosef, and he told them that we exist and we want some help and some guidance and so on. Yehuda Levi took the story as a back, backdrop for his book. He created the story as an argument, the book, as an argument, between the Khazari 
and the two representatives of the other religion, and finally he comes the Jewish person, and he's asking him questions, and he gives him answers. He put in the mouth questions and answers. That was the, the, the way it's, the conversation is when the Jewish person comes to give his, 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 his he doesn't bring philosoph philosophical explanations, he states facts. We had Abraham, then we had Isaac, then we had Jacob. He gave a mystery. And then he said that well, we just went to Egypt and we were for 210 years there. Then we came out from Egypt, we received the Torah at Mount Sinai, we had the splitting of the sea. He said he, he was shocked. He thought well, he would give me philosophical explanations why we believe, believe is the true belief. He came from a historical point. He said the Jews don't need the philosophical proofs. The history is on our side. The whole Mount Sinai is the strongest proof that we exist. That we exist. We have a beginning. We have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't need any. We don't. We don't need to prove that we are right. We are here because we have the history. We have the whole history of generations. That's the beginning of the of the book. In the second chapter, he speaks there about Israel, the land of Israel. The land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. But he tells them, the Kuzari, the king asks the Jewish, the Haver, the Haver was like the rabbi who came to speak to the king, the Jewish representative. Asked them, I read in your prayers, I see in the, in the Bible, so much about the land of Israel, right? And in your prayers, you say, we say, we mentioned so many times, may God return to Zion, may God rebuild the temple, and we are all constantly praying for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. We are, mo we are crying for Israel, we are we longing for this place. And what do you think the question is? Why are you not there? If, pay, if, if Abraham didn't want to leave Israel, he was forced to go to Egypt and came right away back. Isaac, even if it was a famine, didn't leave Israel. Jacob, when he went to Laban, he came back. Even he died in Egypt, he says, take at least my bones to the land of Israel. No. That's what he was asking. The, the Haver, the rabbi, tells them, you know, you caught me on my weak side. He says, you're right. He says, you know, since that we, we, we had an opportunity to come back to Israel, a golden opportunity, and we blew it. And he quotes to him the beginning of the Aftorah of Shabbat Hanukkah. It was, the Aftorah is from the book of Zechariah. The prophet Zechariah lived at the beginning of the second temple, trying to encourage the Jews to go back to Israel. What happened? We were exiled after the destruction of the first temple by the Babylonian king. Fine. But then came the Persian Empire, took over. And their philosophy, their political view was to allow every nation go back to its place. Why not go? <coughs> and the Persian king, who was it at that time? Cyrus. Cyrus? Cyrus Paul. Cyrus. Cyrus was, he said the Jews, go back, guys, it's all yours. Not only go back, I'll give you money. We'll build your temple. God, God bless you, go. And it started to be a campaign 
Who were the two people? Who were the leaders of the of the Ezra, of the? Ezra. First wave was Zerubbabel. First wave was Zerubbabel. He was like from the type of Judah. He was kind of a king, of the type of Judah. And Joshua, the high priest, they took people with them to go back to Israel. How many people went? Forty thousand. Forty-two thousand. And you know, from the forty-two thousand, all the. Schlepper. <laughs> thank you. The people had nothing to lose. If you rent a house in, in Cleveland and you have nothing to lose, you go to Israel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just finished to build my house. I'm crazy. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> now, you need to understand, why the Jews build homes in Babylon? Why they settled? Who told them to settle in Babylon? Jeremiah sent a message. God is exiling you to Babylon, sit there, build your homes, get married, marry of your children, and pray for the good of the country. They fulfilled the mitzvah, big time. The order of Jeremiah, I think it was Jeremiah who told them, yeah. Now, Metamol, <laughs> you're coming back, you're leaving everything behind. For my effort, historians say there was around a half a million Jews living in Babylon, and the whole neighborhood there, the whole region. 42,000 came back. They came, it wasn't. The, 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 the Zechariah starts the Torah with the word, Roni Vesimchi Batzion. Rejoice and celebrate the daughter of Zion because I'm coming to be with you, to be among you. I will settle among you. God is going to settle among you. Get excited, he tried, to, he tried to get the people excited to come to Israel. And the Kuzari says, we lost it, we messed it up. That's why we are not, we lost the opportunity, so to speak. And until today, the Jews don't go to Israel so much. That's the Kuzari's opinion. What about the Ashkenazi? Then some people say that the Ashkenazi Jews come from the Kuzari people. That's where we're coming from. One of the opinions. If you have another opinion, that's okay. I will not <laughs> fight with you. Now, the Rebbe took this line and he translated it in a Hasidic sense. There is Zion. What is Zion means? It's a name for Jerusalem. It's a marker. A marker, beautiful, a sign. Tzion means a marker. When you say, what is your mark in Hebrew? Ma Tzion. Tzion means a mark. Zion, Zion in Jerusalem, Zion means a mark. It means to say, Zion is a mark of whom? Not only the country is called, the city is called Zion, the Jewish people are called Zion too. We are a mark. What do you have a mark of? Of Hashem. Here it's the daughter of Zion. When we, during the time of the temple, we are in a much higher spiritual level. We are Zion. We are a sign of God. A mark, you see a Jew, you see God, you remember God. We, our job is to remind people about God. Now we are a daughter of Zion. Daughter of Zion, you know, there is like, for example, there is a something that's called bat call. Bat call, there is a voice and there is a, a bat call is a, when you scream something and the voice, echo. 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 The echo is already an out, it's a boot of the voice. Bat, bat Zion, is the echo of Zion. We are not already, we are not looking like Zion. But you know what? We are a little bit just a residue of Zion. 
Even then, God says, Roni Vesimchi. The prophet says, Rejoice, the daughter of Zion. Even then, God is among you. The Rebbe took it and turned it around to into a positive. We're not getting to the whole thing, though, but maybe we should. <laughs> By the way, you know, I heard once, I had a rabbi a few weeks ago speaking in Israel. He says, he starts to speak his speech, and then he says, and by the way, I have something else to tell you. That's a by the way, that's not even the speech, but you listen, but that'll be good for you. It's called in Hebrew, bakshish. You know what bakshish means? <laughs> in Arabic, bakshish? Tip. A tip. He says, that I'll give you as a tip <laughs> before the speech. What is the, really the goal? Should we all go to Israel? God gave the, Jew, the land to the Jewish people. This is true. But really, it's written when Moshiach will come, the whole world will be the land of Israel. What does this mean? God created the whole world. We are a light unto the nation. We're supposed to show the way, remind everybody about God. If all of us will live in Israel, we'll do it through Skype, how exactly are we going to teach the world about God? Go on, and, and go on CNN from Israel and tell them, teach them lessons? That's one way, I must say, through the internet. But we need to live everywhere. And the goal is to make from every place in the world a part of God. That the Kuzem Yehuda Levi wanted to live in Israel. He came to Israel. Look, he didn't end up so good. I'm sorry. Because the job of the Jews is to be everywhere. Maybe I told you the story. It was in the first Lebanon war in 82, 83, the whole purpose of the war was to chase out Yasser Arafat and the Palestinian at the PLO at that time was called from Lebanon. Get them out of there. That was the goal. And eventually Begin accomplished that. And they left Lebanon, they went to where? Tunisia. Tunisia. Tunisia? Yes. Then the Israeli government, the Shimbet, decided then you have to take the Jews out from Tunisia because the PLO now is in Tunisia. Who knows what they're going to do to the Jews? Was a nice Jewish community there, relatively vibrant, raised 15,000 Jews, something like this, in the 80s. Then they sent their people underground in a secret way to sneak the Jews out of Tunisia. They talk to Jews, they talk to Jews. Nobody is moving. Why? They said the Chabad rabbi in Tunisia says, don't move. The rabbi said, don't leave. Because the hill that was too strong and the Tunisian Jews were very believing strong in the rabbi and the Chabad rabbi was there for 50 years. <coughs> Chabad, the rabbi sent to Tunisia a Russian Jew. It's like from Russia to Tunisia, they're going from bed to walls. I mean, it's like <laughs> he came out from Russia in the 1950s. The rabbi sent them straight. He didn't even give him a chance to come to America. From Ferris, they sent him straight to Tunisia. Here is your present. Go. <laughs> Came to Tunisia. The, the rabbi, he said, the rabbi says, don't leave. That they realize if they want to get the Jews out of Tunisia, they need to meet with the rabbi. That at that time, the head of the Shimbet, one of the big mahas there, came to meet the rabbi in his office. It was a private, yeah, just the story was revealed a few years ago. The guy told the story, the guy from the Shimbet. He says, he came to the rabbi. Told the Rebbe, want to take the Jews out of Tunisia? They say that you say you should go. The Rebbe said, according to my information that I have from Washington, from other sources, the government in Tunisia made a deal with, with uh, Arafat, a condition that he will not touch the Jews in Tunisia, their citizens. They let them come in, they shouldn't touch them. 
And other places, I have other sources. I don't think there is any serious risk for the Jews in Tunisia. And the Rebbe said, I don't believe in dismantling Jewish communities. If there's a Jewish community, it should stay there, it should be there, it should live there and thrive there. In Itapuve, the Rebbe said, any country that has a strong Jewish community, this country is usually more supportive of Israel because there is enough Jews in the government and this. And he says, I think I will be more right. I wish I would meet with this guy because what ended up in the end? Who came from Tunisia? The Jews or Yasser Arafat? Arafat left. Arafat came to Israel. To Ramallah. The Israelis brought Arafat to Ramallah, to, to Israel. They thank you very much. The two was right. They're happy. The women the became more, more dangerous to be. In Israel or in Tunisia? In Israel. You said you want to save the Jews from Yasser Arafat. Then you end up to bring Yasser Arafat to Israel. Thank you very much. It's better the Jews should stay in Tunisia. They are more, more safe than the... But the, goal, but, what, what the philosophy behind it, and I said, well, thank you. If you remember the year, the 2000 Intifadas the, with the bosses blowing up and Yasser Arafat came to Israel, a thousand people were killed, a thousand Jews and 10,000 uh, Arabs. That was all because they brought them to Israel. They invited them, forget about it. Mm -hmm. obviously they didn't want the Jews. The Jews don't want to come, we'll bring Yasser Arafat, one of the two. They made the choice. What I mean to say is the philosophy behind Judaism, the Hasidic philosophy is that not everybody has to run to Israel. We need Israel, a strong Israel, but we need Jews every place in the world to bring godliness to the place. Jews in Solon I, how you know where you're supposed to be? If, you're, if Hashem brought you here, obviously you're supposed to be here. <laughs> we see that Don't wake up in the morning and ask, where should I go? <laughs> <laughs> So we, don't we, see, we see that in the Torah. I mean, why else? I mean, if Hashem wanted to create the Jewish people, He could have just left them in Israel. Instead, we're being created in Egypt. We're, we're being plotted around. We're being slept all over the place. Oh, if Hashem exiled us, it's not only a bad thing. It's a good thing. Because from Hashem, nothing bad comes out. That if you see the history of the Jews, they're always traveling, moving, 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 moving. We don't have to move anymore. That's a problem. But it's all about going all over the world and bringing the word of God. In Solon, Ohio, until 50 years ago, there was no Jews here. Ever, since the creation of the world. 5,730 years, Solon, Ohio was waiting for a Jew to come and say a here. There was no Jews. And the land was crying for a Jew to come. Finally, a few Jews had Rachmones and came to Solon. In Israel, there were plenty of Jews who were davening and davening a whole day and all night. Didn't, didn't the Tzaman Sadek say, make Jerusalem here? Right yeah, there? there was a famous story about the, the third Chabad Rabbi that a Hasid came to him and says, Rabbi, I want to make Aliyah to Israel. He says, you're probably looking for the holiness of Israel. I told him, make Israel here. You're going to Israel? Make Israel. Mach to Israel. It became a slogan in Chabad. Wherever you go, make Israel. Or Chabad rabbis wanted to come back to the Rabbi. That means to tell them, you probably come to the spiritual part, right? Sit there and make it. It's all about wherever you are, making it a godly place. Okay, then uh, we'll stop right here and we'll start to learn a little bit the Aftorah. It's on page 1449. The prophet Zechariah is speaking the, the, the Aftorah is kind of divided into three pieces. It's in the book of Zechariah, chapter 2, 
14, the end of, the, of chapter two and the beginning of chapter three, and more than the beginning. <coughs> it's all chapter three and a little bit of chapter four. Then let's start and then we'll go, we'll see where it takes us. Sing and rejoice, daughter of Zion, for I am coming to Jerusalem and I will dwell in your midst, says God. May Don't be afraid of all the other nations. He basically needed to bring some excitement to the Jews because it was, they tried to build a temple. It was a tie, they tied with the altar, right? And right after they tied with the altar, um, the king stopped the building of the temple. The whole story of the Megillah comes from that, that the Hashverosh stopped. After they got permission to build, the, ooh, the Samaritans, the locals complained. You know, in America, it's called the Good Samaritans. I have some news for you that are not so good. <laughs> <laughs> Samaritans, the biblical Samaritans, were, where the Samaritans come? I'm sorry, it's another bakshish. <laughs> and the Samaritans are coming during the Syrian king. We'll go, we're taking it another few hundred years before that. And when the Syrian king conquered Israel, he had another philosophy, not like the Persian. That's why the Persian had a philosophy to correct it. His philosophy was to move people around out of the places. The people of New York should go to California. The people of California should go to Nobody should be able, be able to claim that this is my grandparents' land. We are here for 3,000 years. Nobody should be able to say it. Then he moved people around. That he moved people from Judea, Judea and Samaria. He moved the Jews. He exiled the Jews. The 10 tribes, right? The 10 lost tribes. Mm-hmm. They were lost somewhere. He took him out from Israel. Instead, he brought people from another country, from Kuta. Where is Kuta, for heaven's sake? Kuta, where is Kuta? Kuta. Kuta. Some place in uh, southern Tur- Russia. Okay. Yeah? Tur- like, like Turkmenistan Turkey or something? Maybe. Kurdistan, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, Kuta. It's a place called Kuta. God knows where it is, but he knows. God in mm-hmm. <laughs> They bought, they're called the Kutim. They brought him to Israel. They were idol worshippers. But then sometimes it started an attack of lions on them. And the lions attacked them and because they felt that the God of Israel is angry with them, that they don't accept their religion, that's why he's attacking them by lions. That they converted to Judaism. But they converted not because they came to understand and appreciate the Jewish religion. They did it because they were afraid of the lions. They are called in, in the Jewish law, in, in the Talmud, Gerei Arayot, the lion converts. Because <laughs> Judaism doesn't want somebody to convert because the lion is beating them up. He wants you to convert because you're really excited about the Jewish religion, you came to the conclusion that this is the truth. If not, we don't want you out of, out of fear. is not a true conversion. You know why? Because the moment you do it for fear, the fear goes away, you go back. That means we are never sure if the person truly converted. The conversion is only when a person is truly converting. That's the problem when every person converts for another reason. What happens if the reason disappears? Then it goes back and you ask yourself, did the person really converted? You have to convert to the true because you, because you found the religious, Jewish religion, the true, the, that's what you love. If not, nobody asks you. That's why whenever time a person converts for a different reason, it's already a problem. Only if you're converted, you're 13 years old, 14 years old, you've discovered the Jewish religion and you love it. 
Usually people convert for marriage, for this, for different, for different reasons. For fear, for love, for money, for the, whatever. That's not the true That was the, the, the Samaritan. Oh, they were called Samaritans. This, these Kutans who came to Samaria, that's why they were called Samaritans. That because they were also continuing to worship idols, they, they accept the Jewish God and they still... And they created a culture in Israel that you can do both. That the Jews didn't like it. The rabbis didn't like it. They didn't want to be, be influenced, that the Jewish people should be influenced by this kind of culture. That they kind of separated themselves from them. From, from them. The beginning of the second temple, they wanted to join building the temple, and the Jews did not welcome them. The day sent, they started to fight it, and they gave a lot of tzores to the Jews for building the temple. Literally, physically, walls and tzores. And they also sent letters to the king of Persia, to Cyrus, that he, why he allowed the Jews to build the temple, and they are going to be against them, and so on and on. Finally, they accomplished. It doesn't take a lot to accomplish to ruin something. It came an order to stop to build the temple. And they were built, they built the altar and they stopped. Do you know why they only followed the five books of Moses and why they didn't go with the prophets or anything like that? Probably the same argument. It's all, this is only from God. The rest is not from God. You know, the same type of garbage, if you want. Then, these people are called the Samaritans. The Samaritans are responsible for the, for the stopping of the building of the second temple. Then, after Achashverosh, the whole story of Purim, and Esther, and Esther, Esther's son, Darius, he gave permission again to build the temple. Basically, a Jewish king gave permission to build the temple. Not such a big accomplishment, you know what I mean? It's like Thomas was a Jewish guy. Then, here is coming Zechariah and trying to revive the Jews, giving the Jews uh, hope that it's not, you're good, God loves you, you're, it's going to be good days. And that's what he says in number 15. Continue. Many nations will attach themselves to God on that day, and they will become my people too and believe in me. But nevertheless, I will dwell only in your midst. Then you will know that the God of hosts sent me only to you. Yeah, it's almost like it's written by the story of Purim. Many, many non-Jews became Jewish, converted. But there they converted because they saw it's better to be a Jew. You know, everybody's on their side side of the Jews. But still, this is the same language almost. Question for you. Uh, uh, the Shekinah is going to be present there for the Second Temple, but there's a whole rabbinic tradition that the Shekinah wasn't present in the Second Temple. Oh, 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 oh. It was, but not on the same level of the First Temple. Mm -hmm. You see, the First Temple, when, the Jew, when, when people came to the First Temple, what was the main exhibit that the, the Jews were proud of? What do you think? Tabernacle. The art, the, art. the Talmud says what he showed them when he showed them when he wanted to show them something they used to show them the not the ark but he used to show them the the cherubs on top of the ark the second temple did not have the ark the ark was eaten was ordered by a king to by one of the Jewish king what's the name of him Zechariah no 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 Joash um, one of the kings lived like 50 years before the destruction of the first temple Joram. huh Joram. You love him? You no. 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 Like, he buried him 22 yeah. years before the... No, a little, yeah. He, he ordered to take the, the ark and to hide it in the tunnels underneath the temple. By the second temple, there was only the, a stone, what it's called today the Dome of the Rock. The rock. There was a rock there. Hmm. That's what they say. The they claim that this is the rock. rock. I mean, that's an argument if this is the rock or not the rock, but it was a rock. 
That's it. They were, and when the Kohen Gadol used to enter the Holy of Holies and Yom Kippur, the second temple, used to put the incense on the rock. There was no, there was no, no ark. The ark is somewhere deep down, but the outside was no ark. What was the main, when people came to the second temple, what they showed them? It was no ark. What was there available to show, to show off? The menorah. That's why the menorah became the symbol of the Jewish people. All the diggings in Israel, you go, you find the menorah. Everywhere, all the mosaics, full of them. That because the menorah presents the light into the nation. If the first temple, the main thing was the cherubs, the place where God spoke to the Jews, so to speak, the second temple is about, we don't have any more this connection with God that God speaks to us. No more prophets. It's more us being a light in the nation for the same reason. We have to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. To be a light in the nation, you cannot, be, you cannot you sit in Jerusalem and may be a light in the nation. You have to be everywhere. Then that's really, that's really what is the whole, the whole, that's why the menorah became the symbol of the state of Israel. Mm. Much before, the Magen David is a relatively new thing, the, the star of David. It's a whole discussion from where it's coming. Some people say it's coming from a, from a um, false messiah who made it up. It's a whole thing. The, the star of David is a 700 year old event. The real symbol of the Jewish people is the menorah. Not the menorah of Hanukkah with nine, eight branches, plus a, the seven branch menorah. Think about that. When you go to, to Rome on the Arch of Titus, mm -hmm. they put a picture of how the Jews bring the menorah. Why oh, didn't bring a picture with something else? Because that was the symbol. That was it. I don't see people wearing menorahs, though. So. <laughs> no, I know. Now they wear a high. They came up 20 years ago. I don't know. The high. The high means life, right? And they, sometimes they use their hand. I mean, well, the menorahs are on the cars. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> we don't. Wear, why don't we a symbol? See, you see, I'll tell you. Wearing a symbol means, and then they just hide it. They put it underneath the shirt. I don't need a symbol, right? Judaism should be. We should wear it on your sleeve, outside in the sleeve. Should, people should see that it's a Jew, and you not have any issues. But when, when you what. I don't, I'm not against it, I'm just saying, but you're right, the original symbol is a menorah. Some people wear menorahs, little menorahs or things like this. Mm -hmm. And cars, they have it on the car hanging and the, and the window shelters, things like this. But this is a symbol, every synagogue usually is the picture is a menorah. In front of every Jewish building almost is a menorah. The Knesset? That's a synagogue. Yeah. The Knesset. They, in the Knesset. Yeah, there is a menorah. Yeah, 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 sure. That's what I said. The whole state of Israel. Then here is what we go, how we got there, I don't know, but let's read number 16. 17, 16. God will let Yehuda take possession of his position in the Holy Land, never to be exiled again. And God will once again choose Yerushalayim to have his Shekhinah dwell there. Yeah. Go ahead. Be silent before God, all you nations. Never again speak badly of the Jewish people. Oh, from, from your mouth. You know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's interesting. Be silent in front of God became a verse that in many synagogues they put it in top of the ark. We have in top of the ark a verse, but not this verse. Many, it's like many people, it's a verse tells you, you're walking to a synagogue. Be silent. Don't talk. Be silent in front of God. We have in our show, we have a verse that says, I love you, says God. 
fazia ali um bom... Um ouvinte. Ali um bom... Warm, That's the first part of the of the Torah that speaks to the Jews that eventually God will choose the Jewish people. Choose what means? He will show again that the Jewish people are the chosen people. And God will be among them and everybody, nobody will be allowed to talk one bad word on the Jews. Now, beginning of chapter 3, he has a vision, the prophet. Number the, 1, 3, 1, yeah. In the prophetic vision, he then showed me Yehuda, the, uh, Yeshua, the high priest, standing before uh, Hashem's angel, with Satan standing at Yeshua's right to, in, uh, to incriminate him for failing to rebuke his children when they married non-Jewish women. Okay, Yeshua is the high priest. It's all, this is the, the commentary, there's a few explanations, what is the problem of Yeshua? The bottom line is Yeshua is the high priest. His generation was not good enough. The Jews were not up to the level. And when the, the Jews are not in the right level, whose fault is it? The rabbis. Goes without saying. Then, then <laughs> it's not good to be a leader by the Jewish people because the, the is, the, God always blames the leaders. Then Yeshua is, 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 a, is sitting in front of God. There is a judgment. The angel, the angel who represents, who, represent, who defends Yeshua on one side, and the Satan is on the other side. And the Satan says he doesn't deserve it. He's guilty. If children don't do the right way, if the Jewish people are not the right way, is he himself is not so holy. That's what he says. Then God, God interferes in, the, in, this, in this court case. What is God saying in number two? An angel of God said to Satan, God will reprimand you, O Satan. He who chooses Yerushalayim will, be, will reprimand you. Why this? Yehoshua was miraculously saved like a brand rescued from fire. So how can you prosecute him? He says, how dare you, you, you prosecute Yehoshua? Joshua is, a, is like a coal like how uh, says Ud Mutzamesh? How he says the word? A brand? Where is it? A brand. A brand rescued from fire. A brand rescued. What's a brand? A brand. A log. A log. A piece of log that was safe from the fire. Yeshua, according to the Medrash, was thrown into the furnace once, and his clothing was burned a little bit, but he was not burned. But it's more than just this. I lost the Ud Mutzamesh. How did you persecute the Jews? The few Jews that survived. We lost 10 tribes, most of them went to exile. The few Jews who survived all the Torahs, you're going, you're going to say bad things about them? What God is really saying, what the prophet is really the angel is really saying is, even if they don't deserve on their own merit, that's what is left. If you persecute them, we will left with no Jewish people. It's correct and relevant in our generation. I remember once years ago, was a rabbi who spoke bad against the Jewish people. The, the rabbi says, how dare you speak bad about a new generation who survived the Holocaust? And he quoted this line, Allah ze'ud mutzal mesh, it's a brand, was saved from the fire. Barely, we barely have a Jewish people. You, you saying bad things about them? And that's what he, God is telling the Satan. Be quiet. How dare you speak against the Jewish people? Even if they don't deserve on their own merit, 
They are the representative of the whole nation of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay. Quick, quick question about the, this concept of Satan being the accuser. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the places we see it, but I mean, there are only, what, maybe four, five, six references to Satan in the entire Hebrew Bible, uh, this particular character of Satan. And in this one, he's, he's the prosecutor. Basically, he's employed by the state, you might say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's God's agent here. He's God's agent. <laughs> he has to do his job, but God has to put him in his place. Mm-hmm. The other angel has to put him in his place, yes. It's called Samachmem um, in, in other languages, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, 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 there is, it's a name of an angel. It's called Samuel mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. And, so, and we don't even use the word because we don't want to invoke him. That we call it Samach Mem. It fills two letters of the name of this angel. But yeah, that is doing his job, but we have to do our job to put it to close his mouth. And Yoshua, number three. Now Yeshua was wearing soil clothes. While standing before the angel, the angel spoke up loudly and said to the other angel standing before him, Remove the soil clothes. The non-Jewish woman from his sons. But again, it's, it means he says, remove the soul clothing, get stained clothing. He remove the other bad things that, that comes from him. Basically, let them do tshuva, help him to bring the people back. He said to him, See, I have taken away your past sins from you, and when your current sins will cease, you will see that that I am clothing you in beautiful clothes, i.e. merits. Basically, you're starting a new page, clothing, new clothing, giving you merit, and, and you be, can become the high priest. So that's, it is, it's like a tshuva. Tshuva, exactly. Tshuva is like wearing new, new clothing, like putting on a new suit. Because what is a sin? A sin is a stain on your soul. The bigger, the, the more often I do the sin, the stronger the stain gets. And if it's written that the first three times of the scene, you can, it's easier to wash it off. Mm-hmm. Then it gets such a stain, you need real strong material to erase the stain. Then when you clean up your clothing, that's why you keep it real white, the idea of clean of mm-hmm. sins. That's the idea. So, so these are the, this angel is instructing the other angels to remove To help him, yeah, 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 yeah. Then, continue. Then I prayed for Yehoshua, saying, Let them place a pure priestly turban on his head, signifying that his descendants would inherit the priesthood. My prayer was immediately answered, and they put the pure turban on his head and clothed him in garments while God's angel stood by. Then he became... The angels, basically, in his vision, the prophet saw the angel is, is saving him. Oh, he's getting to be the that Yeshua will be the leader of the, the, the high priest of the Jewish people at that time. What does it mean, pure turban? It's sort of a strange thing because... The turban is the et that the I know, I understand that, but, but, yeah, but pure? I mean, there could be impure or because of the sins? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. It was all about the sins and you should be forgiven for the sins and starting a but, new beginning. But the, the sin that they specifically mention is intermarriage. Yeah, the sin is specifically intermarriage. So that, that's, that's really what, what's being, it's being it was here. It was all assimilation, yeah. Absolutely. If you read in the book of Ezra, what Ezra was talking, the only place in the Bible that speaks about assimilation is Ezra. It was, we are dealing with the same, we have the same problems, nothing changed. <laughs> it's very relevant. Well, what's the Hebrew for turban here? Because I know other English translations. Sanif. I mean, other uh, translations call it either a diadem or a crown. 
What's a diadem for heaven's sake? Yeah, I'm not quite sure, but a crown, yeah, I guess. A jewel. Like a something crown. like this? Yeah. It could be, it's if it could be all of this. But it, it's clearly the priestly <laughs> yeah. crown, not the, priestly crown. Not the Davidic crown. Yeah. yeah, that's the idea. It was that the high priest is the more, is the important part at this point. Number uh, six. Afterwards, God's angel warned Yahushua saying, this is what the God of hosts said. If your children will walk in my paths and keep the things I told them to keep, then your children will be appointed to take charge of my house forever and guard my courtyard. So too in the spiritual world, I will reward you and your children and permit you to walk among those angels who stand there. Oh, here he says, you will walk among the angels who stand. Angels stand, Jews walk, people walk. What does this mean? One static and one is dynamic. An angel, whatever he's doing, he's doing. He might get some promotion, but very, it's all within the, within the, not extraordinary, not above, not bleakful, what's the word for it? He doesn't have an upward career path. Exactly, he cannot change his career. The Satan cannot come to God and say, you know, God, I need a promotion. I, I'm tired of this job, I want something else. It doesn't work. That even that in Kabbalah says that angels can really yet be promoted a little bit, but that within Gvul, within the same level, if you want, where a Jew with one mitzvah can turn from the lowest to the highest in one second, that we are walkers. There are standards. This sounds so much like the, um, like in the Psalms when if if, if David, you know, children, yeah, yeah, yeah. children do all these things, they'll be forever. Then he says, if you, he said, he told them, I'll, I'm choosing you. If your children will do, will observe my commandment, and they will, you'll walk in my ways, then you'll be, you'll be everything, and I'll let you, and you'll be a walker among the peoples. Then means to say that we are higher than angels. That's why Judaism, we believe in angels, but we are not obsessed with angels. Because we can change what angels want. We are stronger than angels. We are above angels. We can alter the, the future. With one mitzvah, we can change our, our destiny completely. There is a story about a Jew in, in Europe that he was an informer to the government. And people got into in, the, in, in this kind of hostile government that you are a reformer, the people who ends up in their hand is dead. Then some Hasidim in a community had suffered from an informer. They came to the Rebbe. They told the, to their Rebbe at that time, said, Rebbe, this Jew is an informer. We have to get rid of him. Do, we, do something about that. And the, Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, what's his name? He gave him his name. He says, his neshama is shining. I don't know what you're talking about. They came home. They discovered that while if they mentioned his name to the Rebbe, he was a Sunday wear priest by his family member, the informer. Because he was a Sunday, that moment, he was doing a huge mitzvah. That is, the shamans was shining. And there is a okay, informer, he's doing a huge, his neshama is, is beautiful. It's to say a Jew, while he's doing a mitzvah, can, can reach to the heavens. 
It can, it can go from the lowest of the lowest in one minute to the highest of the highest. And vice versa, obviously. But we need to say we can, we can make differences. That's why, why we came to the world. To make a difference in the world. And, by the way, promote on the show a little bit. Go higher. We are, not, we are not ending up in the same place we started. The angels is in the same place. Took him 20 years, it's the same place. We, are, we don't like the same. We want to be promoted in the business and salaries and everything, right? A better car, a better suit, a better this, a better everything, a better house. That Neshome also is being promoted. That's what he's talking about, going, being a walker among those who stand. Number eight. Now listen, Yehoshua, the high priest, you and also your companions who were saved from a fiery furnace who sit before you, for they are people worthy of miracles. Look, I will bring my servant, Sema, meaning Moshiach. Mm-hmm. He says, if I, you, to, be, to have a miracle, you have to be worthy. You have to be worthwhile for a miracle. There is a story about in the Talmud about, uh, uh, I think it was Hananiah, Meshav, Azariah. They, they, I think it was them. Then he said, uh, or it was after that, he told, he to, uh, the, I think it was the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, told them, if you, if you deserve, Hashem will make a miracle for you. And they told them, you don't deserve that Hashem should make a miracle through you. We might be burned. He was throwing him into the furnace. He said, we might not deserve to. You are not a king that deserves a miracle. You have to be to deserve a miracle. The, even the evil king has to be worthwhile to deserve a miracle. Pharaoh was worthwhile to, to make miracles for. Same thing he says, you are people who made miracles that you deserve that we, I bring Moshiach. It was a time that Moshiach could come at the beginning of the second temple if the Jews would cooperate, would wake up. Number nine. Here is the foundation of stone of the third temple that I will place before Yeshua's descendant, the high priest, for him to place. There will be seven eyes guarding a single stone of the temple from, from above. I will participate in the construction of the temple by engraving inscriptions on its stones, says the God of hosts and I will remove the sin of that land in one day. Okay, he says he will create a stone with seven eyes, right? What does this mean, the seven eyes? Sounds like a menorah. Sounds like a menorah. It's more than that, there are seven heavens. There are seven kochavei lechet, I say it in English. Seven stars. Seven, seven of the planets. Basically, the point is, the idea of the seven eyes means that God, the eye of God, will protect the Jewish people. Like we want to say, I will, put, I will watch him with seven eyes. It's coming from me. Seven eyes. You never heard that expression? No. That's an expression in him. I'm sorry, my friend. There is an expression like this in English. <laughs> but it also implies that it's within the natural realm. You never, there is no expression like this in English? I will create one right now. <laughs> in Hebrew, there's an expression, he looked at me, he watched over me with seven eyes. It comes from him. So what's the stone they're talking about here? Is that the stone the is like the foundation. foundation stone. Stone. So there's foundation a foundation stone, stone that's like the foundation on stone. the earth. And it's like the dome of the, the rock. Like the rock it's the same the dome of the rock. Okay. is the foundation stone. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, but the seven eyes also implies that the protection is within nature, that it's not going to require extra measure. That's an interesting thought. Yes, it is. Might, might be, yeah. 
you know? When it says that, uh, that they, uh, they will be purified in one day, what does that mean exactly? It's one day, that day. Right? Yeah, that's one day. The, the day of oneness, of unity, that God and the world will be united, that God will be felt everywhere in the world. Everyone will know about God. So that's what's going to remove the sin at that point? I mean, how... No, remove the sin. That's why Mashiach will come. It goes together. How is the sin removed then in the one day? Okay. There's two ways how it's going to happen. Could be that the Jews will do tshuva, and then Mashiach will come. Could another way be that Mashiach will come and he will make the Jews do tshuva? Then <laughs> now, if it's going to be if Mashiach shows up tomorrow morning on TV, we will do tshuva. That's okay. Like Probably more likely the second one. <laughs> the, the Jews have to be dragged to do it. <laughs> now it's going to be God willing in a good way mm -hmm. but it could be I mean if you would see the splitting of the sea we would at least do tshuva for five minutes I mean or be after the five minutes a different story but for, for the moment that's what it means in one day it could be coming in a miraculous way that's the idea chapter four number one now it starts another story so to speak it's continuation You're good you left that memory time. On that day. Is oh, I'm sorry. That tells you. On that day, we didn't finish? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Number 10. Read. Uh, on that day, he says, the God of hosts, you will invite each other to come and take shade under the vines and under the fig trees to enjoy the bountiful goodness which will then be. It will be amazing. It will be time for Moshiach. It will be nobles. Everybody will be under the fig and, the, and, and will enjoy life. It will be beautiful. Sitting with the foot up, up and around. There will be every day will be Shabbos and holidays. Retirement. The garden. The garden will Canada. be life will be yeah good. Okay. Continue. It means to say you know what we'll do with the time. We will dedicate it for spirituality, for learning, for thinking. Not have to be busy with going to the doctor, going picking up the medication, going doing business. Everybody will be. Have time, we can learn Torah, we can, not a class once a week, class a whole day, learning Torah, be amazing. Go ahead. Then the angel that spoke with me returned and roused me like a man wakened from his sleep. What do you see in your prophetic vision, he asked me. I said, I see a menorah entirely, made entirely of gold with a bowl, bowl on top of it, containing oil. It has seven lamps, and each of these lamps that are on the top have seven pipes mm -hmm. that carry the oil from the bowl. Near it are two olive trees, one to the right of the bowl and one to the left. He sees a vision of a menorah with seven branches made out of gold, pure gold. Number four. Then I spoke up and asked the angel that spoke with me, My master, what are these alluding to? Don't you know what they are? Replied the angel that spoke with me. No, my master, I said. Then he answered me as follows. This is the word of God about Mashiach, a descendant of Zerubbabel. Not by his might nor by his power will the nations become subservient to Mashiach, but rather it will be effortless like the kindling of a menorah through my spirit by which I will subdue the nations, said the God of hosts. Okay, let's stop right here. A lot can be said about this. The seven, he says this is representing the Jewish people. The Jewish people are one piece of gold. You know, the menorah could not be made from attached branches. 
had to take out one piece of gold and etch, etch out from it seven branches. It was a very hard job. Why? Because the menorah represents the Jewish people. We are one piece of gold. We are not attached branches. But there are seven branches. Not everybody has to be the same. Not everybody has to serve God the same. Okay? Some people like to serve God by learning Torah. That's how they connect to God. Other people like to serve God by helping others, by doing good deeds. And still others like to pray. They like to come to the minion. They like to be their cousin, like to get an aliyah. There are many ways to connect to God, as long as they are all pointing to the middle. You know, the menorah is to have seven branches. The tree, tree from each side and the middle branch. The three wicks from the three sides were pointing towards the middle. The fires, the flames were towards the middle. Everybody was towards the same direction. Then the menorah represents the Jewish people. And that's why, according to, that's, that's what the prophet tells them. That's why the menorah became the, the symbol of the Jewish people, because it's actually the prophet says that he was in, the, the angel told him in the vision, what is it showing me? He says, these are the Jewish people. And what he says, not with might and not with power, we're going to, to, to conquer the world, but it's spirituality. It's also a message to Zubavel. Zubavel was the leader. Yeshua was the spiritual leader, the king and the high priest. He tells them, you better look up to the high priest, because ultimately, it's my, by my spirit. The Jewish people power is, the, is by the morality, not by the army. We need an army, yeah, we need all of this critique, sure. But it's what we have to offer to the world, what we should offer to the world, what's our niche is our spirituality. That's what we have to offer. Can we have uh, different messages, though? I mean, there's the concept of Messiah and Joseph. There's the concept of the star coming from uh, Jacob, you know, all military. We uh, see the star here. The, the, the scepter coming from Jacob, uh, Numbers 24. The Bilaam. Yeah, from the Bilaam story. Yeah, okay. no. Again, those have been interpreted uh, that, that the Messiah is going to be a, a military figure. Yeah, yeah, some people say it. Yeah, Bar Kokhba obviously, obviously didn't walk out, right? Yeah, I, I mean, we, we've got that one kind of branch, you might say, of saying that the Messiah is going to be a military leader, and we've oh, got this want, branch you, of thought. That you want to say the seven branches? Leader. That's what you want to... That's what they allude the seven branches? Yeah, no, not, I, branch, I guess, is the wrong term for, for this purpose. But, I mean, there, there, there are two ideas, I guess, in, in, in Jewish thought. Yeah, but, but ultimately, it's not... We saw it with the tweet, might alone, you don't do it. Mm-hmm. It's, that's what he says, Loi Bechayel Veloi Bekoyach. Not with, with uh, all the translations, not with might and not with... Uh, not by might, not by power, but not, by, not by, by power. <laughs> but by what? From the song, yeah. Not, not by, by might, not by power, but by my spirit alone. Yeah, okay. Exactly, yeah, this, this is it. This is the, the, if, the, if the song is coming from here, right? If the song comes from here. <laughs> I'll tell you, there is, you see Ashkenazi Jews have the one way of customs. Some people say Baruch Ato, some people say Baruch Ata. Some people eat rice, some people on Pesach, some people don't. People scream, what's the right thing? What God wants? Shrinish. There is a more than one way. You can connect to God in more than one way. It doesn't have to be this way or this way. As long as it's within the frame of the Jewish law, and with the two years you continue your tradition, God wants more than one way. 
There is place for not because I do my way, it means that his way is wrong. And that's what he says here. Let's finish it. You finished it, number seven? Yes, paragraph, good. Who are you, Gog and Magog, to appear as a great mountain in Zerubbabel's Mashiach's path, when in truth you will be easily flat? Mashiach will produce the precious stone, the foundation of the temple, amid shears of beautiful stone. Beautiful stone is she. Then, explain. What? Explain. What's the stone? Then Gog and Magog. Oh, Gog and Magog. Oh, yeah, yeah, is this yeah, Hashem yeah. speaking here? Yeah, that, that's the whole military. That's the prophet, yeah. <laughs> Gog and Magog will be, the king will need to be called Gog, and his nation will be Magog, and Israel will have a war with them. No, 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 don't get scared. It took place already. World War II? World War II was not good enough. <laughs> we are past all the Torahs. God willing, it's going to be good life. Moshiach will come in an easy way. He'll have a, he'll have a very soft landing. Because you know why? We already paid all the things. We're already behind it. You know, in history of 3,000 years, 75 years is like a minute or 100 years. Moshiach came 75 years after the Holocaust, that means it was Gog and Magog, was a war, and now it's the past the war, Moshiach comes. It doesn't have to be another war. The way the Rebbe spoke was that there's going to be a good life and Moshiach will come from goodness, from Jewish people coming back to Judaism, not because anybody saw forced them, not of desperation, not because they have nothing to eat. Think what's going on in America. What's going on around this table? Nobody forced anybody in. I met a Jew. Tells me, how many people come to the show? I said, we have a nice crowd. Chavez coming. I told him, but remember, everybody who comes here, nobody asks him tomorrow. If he doesn't come, we were you in shul. You know, in the Orthodox community, if you don't shop in shul, your friends will ask you, where were you yesterday? You went to the other shul, where were you? But here, people choose out of their own free choice to to find out about more Judaism, to get closer to Yiddishkeit. That's messianic error. And even that in the news you hear, all the world is coming to an end. I get it, I get it. The world is not coming to an end. Everything will be good. Moshiach will come. Everything will be good. By the way, if you, if you just comment about this commentary here, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful statement down at the bottom there about what the Rebbe says. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't speak about it. Don't speak bad about the Jewish people. Says even uh, the non-religious. Uh, oh yeah, uh, sure. he, he's very much in favor. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Rabbi was the biggest defender of them. Yes, I was there when the when the Rebbe said the talk. Mm -hmm. Rabbi was so upset that people speak again.